0: And so this morning, we continue with our Advent series, exploring words from Isaiah in this Advent season. And we're doing this together with our friends at Bellevue Baptist Church and Eastwood Baptist Church, who are looking at the same sections of Isaiah this morning uh, in their church communities as we are in ours. So as we begin, let's pray. And so gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the reflections of our hearts and minds together today be found pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Have you sung your first Christmas carol yet? I haven't. I'm determined to hold off for a few more weeks if I can get away with it. Um, Although one carol that we don't often sing has been pretty much in my head constantly since last Christmas. At one of our carol services last year, we included God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, which isn't one we sing every year. I think we don't do it often because it isn't an adoring carol, it's sort of not nativity friendly. Talk of being saved from Satan's power when we have gone astray is not perhaps as carol service friendly as some others. And I think the idea of a song between gentlemen, not any women, not those lower down the socioeconomic ladder, it seems to jar a bit. It seems to have quite a Victorian feel, I think. In fact, it's almost certainly much older than that. It's one of the oldest carols that we have. We think it was written in the 1700s, if not before. But each of the verses of this carol end by offering tidings of comfort and joy. And this is the bit that's been reverberating around in my mind for the last 12 months. And it strikes me that this captures much of our work as the church to bring something of God's comfort and God's joy amidst the reality of our world's struggles and pain. And it seems to fit this year even more than most. I expect over the coming weeks, we'll see a lot more about tidings of comfort and joy than we usually do at Christmas. And right at the start of our reading from Isaiah this morning, we have God's comfort taking centre stage. In verse one, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And then into verse two, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for. We see God's tenderness and God's gentleness. We get a sense of God's comfort being needed and how it is an agent of hope and change for the people. I think comfort evokes in us a sense of easing of pain or freedom from constraint. It has a sense of grief and distress being lessened. Comfort is caring, comfort is faithful, comfort is kindness. But what comfort can also be taken to mean is also something that is soft and gentle, which chimes with the tenderness that is spoken of here at the beginning of our reading. But the comfort being spoken of here in Isaiah and the comfort God offers is much more than that. Comfort in this context is about solidarity and it's about transformation and it's about support. We might even consider how comfort is protective and strong too. Comfort can be a turning point And that's exactly where we find ourselves as Isaiah 40 begins. This is the turning point here in the book of Isaiah. In chapters 1 to 39, the focus uh, has been different, and it's best captured in words from Isaiah 6, where the seraphim call out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah responds by saying, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And he goes on, Here I am, send me. And so he's told, Go and tell this to the people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long for, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left destroyed and the fields ruined and ravaged until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. That was the message Isaiah was being given to bring to the people. It was a harsh message. It was a message of judgment. It was a message that brought their sin and their issues and their disobedience uh, to God front and centre. But now, as Isaiah 40 begins, we have a second calling. Decades have passed and the people who have been in exile in Babylon and, and now uh, this new vocation emerges for the prophet and it begins with the forgiveness of God for the sins of the people and then talks about how God's presence is clearing away back to Jerusalem for them. They are being called to be a people of God that are hopeful, that know God's comfort and are to work to bring that hope and comfort to others. The season, the era even, is changing. And the message of God calls the prophet to bring a different emphasis. And sometimes we get these moments, perhaps, maybe we're even experiencing this as a church, where the season changes, almost the era changes. And that's not, uh, it's a mixture of things. It's good and bad, it's difficult and easy, it's exciting and challenging and all of that would be mixed up in uh, how the people would have felt and responded to the message of isaiah but as the reading this morning unfolds it reminds me of so many other bits of scripture when we read a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god and then it goes on every valley shall be raised up every mountain and hill made low The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. When we read verses like that, I think it encapsulates so much of the gospel and what it means for us to have our hope in God. When we think of a voice crying in the wilderness, we might think of John the Baptist. His rough and rugged message was all about preparing for what God was about to do in Christ. John calls the people to repent, calls them to come back to God and to get ready for what is about to unfold. When we think of valleys being raised up and mountains being made low and the glory of the Lord being seen, we can think of the book of Revelation and the prophetic picture of the new heavens and the new earth where we read, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God, who will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the springs of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Isaiah, John, the message of Revelation, they all speak of God bringing change and of God making things right. In verses 4 and 5 of Isaiah 40, we find again this message about how things will change and things will turn around. God's comfort is not just going to be soothing balm. God's comfort will bring change and transformation. God's comfort is all about solidarity with the lowly and the marginalised and those who live without hope. And friends, notice how the power and the action and the change comes about here because God takes The initiative, it is God that brings about change. The action, the active verbs here are all for God. People are like grass, we're told. Their faithfulness withers like flowers. But God most surely does not. It's God who brings comfort. It's God who gathers up the lambs in his arms. And it's God who raises up and brings low. And friends, as we reflect on that this morning, I want to say this to you. That anyone else other than God is always going to be limited in their capacity to bring us comfort and bring us hope. People will let us down. The church will let us down. But God will not. God remains ever faithful. God remains capable of transforming whatever situation you find yourself in this morning. God remains capable of bringing change. Now, there's a lot we can do to partner with God in the world. We're called to be people who are part of that change, who show solidarity, but ultimately it's God who makes a way and God who plants hope in our hearts. I don't think you can read Isaiah 40 or any of Isaiah that follows without being aware of God's intention and initiative even when the people of God have turned away God was determined to make a route back home for the people and God is determined to make a route back home possible for you and me as well and so during this most adventy of advents we make space to let God go to work planting that hope in us reminding us that God is able to make a way even when we do not see it we make space to remember that god was so determined to make a route back home for us that jesus came down from heaven to live with us showing us the way and making it possible for us to find forgiveness and freedom for all our sins it is because of god's action god's initiative god's faithfulness and god's grace we have the possibility of spending eternity in his presence and knowing so much of God's love today. Friends let's go to work by letting God go to work in our lives. May God lead you home this Advent I pray. Amen.